0: Dennis, you've spoken a lot uh, in recent times about turmeric um, for helping fight inflammation, and now it's being suggested that turmeric might help with Alzheimer's.
1: That quite, quite so, Jade. And recently I received a journal from the UK to which I subscribe. It's the Journal of Natural Medicine, and in that there was some interesting findings suggesting, I state suggesting, that the regular use of turmeric as a food over an extended period of time, may be useful in reducing plaque associated with Alzheimer's disease. We'll talk about it more. This is
0: Health Naturally for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's New Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre. and We're taking your calls on 49216216. And Lynn has rung in with a question on the subject of the day, which is turmeric. And she's rung in from Western. Hello, Lynn.
2: Hi, everybody. Dennis, we were taking the turmeric mm-hmm. liquid yes. um, for yes. two weeks, but yes. we found it was awfully expensive. Yes. Um, so we found some tablets. Yes. They're 1,000-milligram yes. tablets. Both yes. my husband and I are taking one a day. Good. Is that sufficient?
1: Okay. Lynn, I'll ask you a few questions, if you don't mind, and I'll sure. give you some good advice. Um, why are you taking the turmeric, just as a general health supplement?
2: Um, I have a problem with my shoulder and okay. I was hoping that
1: it okay. stopped the okay. inflammation. Okay. So you've got a shoulder problem and you're seeking to get some relief from the inflammation and the pain using turmeric. Okay. If yes. you're going to if you're going to use um, turmeric as a an anti inflammatory, you must realise that it's the active principle in it called curcumin, C U R C U M I N, curcumin, that makes the anti inflammatory action come 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 good. In other words, if you're taking um, a lot of turmeric, useful as that may be over a period of time, it may still not give you uh, the prompt relief that curcumin can give you. So my uh, roundabout answer to your question is this: um, The preparation that you take uh, ideally should be a preparation that has a standardized level of curcumin with a recommended dose associated with it. So, um, oh, okay. so, so wherever you go, um, look for that a standardized okay. a standardized level of curcumin, which in turn would allow the stipulated dosage on the label to convey that amount to you, and therefore you can expect a little bit more reliable uh, effect from uh, from taking the preparation in that form. And there are some excellent preparations in the marketplace uh, containing curcumin. Now, it is probably the most uh, how can I call it most prominent uh, natural uh, anti-inflammatory agent in the marketplace being used to address low-grade uh, chronic inflammatory conditions where the use of mainstream pharmaceuticals may not be ideal so you're on the right track have you uh, did you receive any uh, benefit from taking it originally in the form you were taking it Lynn no. No. Okay. Not not within two weeks. Okay, um, no. And and that's the um, that's the other thing that you have to realise that um, even curcumin in standardised preparations with standardised dosages is not likely to assert itself overnight. It's, no, it's a quiet no. achiever. The good thing about it is it's, it's very safe, but again, I come back to the point and say to you and listeners, if you are seeking to get an anti-inflammatory or mild analgesic effect from a turmeric preparation, look for a standardised high level of curcumin in the product on the label and take it in the dose range that is on the label. Because labelling in Australia has to be in accordance to the regulations of the therapeutic goods administration now the other thing is you you can you can get a benefit from uh, turmeric if you want to take it just as the the crude herb in an unstandardized form but you have to take significant amounts of it over a lengthy period of time by that i mean you'd probably have to be taking at least 5 to 10 grams of turmeric a day as a crude herb in order to get any level of curcumin that's likely to stimulate those benefits. I was
2: just reading the label on these tablets, so 1,000 milligrams, but there's no curcumin in it.
1: Uh, Well, um, take my my advice. Um, Look for the level of curcumin on a label because Mm -hmm. I come back to the point that the more curcumin that's in it, the more likely it is to give you an effect. If it is a turmeric preparation, it would have to have curcumin in it. But some some preparations in the marketplace uh, have standardised levels of curcumin. That is, the turmeric in the preparation has been, uh, how can I call it, manipulated to contain a particular level of curcumin thought oh, to be no. necessary. So uh, look. Um, so this
2: has got 77% of turmeric powder in it, so okay. they have to have the curcumin, wouldn't that's it? That's
1: correct. Where, where, yeah. Which health food store do you go to, Lynne?
2: Oh, this one I've got from Coles. Oh, that's okay.
1: No, that's okay. <laughs> well, again, um, in, in my opinion, if you're looking for this benefit... The, talk to, to someone in a, in a more professional environment. I'm not, that, I'm not saying that Coles hasn't got a professional environment, but if you're treating a condition medically, it might be wise to talk to a pharmacist or a good, uh, how can I call it, naturopath in a, in a retail environment that might be able to confirm to you that the preparation is Um, what you need to take or give you advice on dosage. Anything. It's likely to be a very, very good preparation, but I suggest it would be wise to talk to a pharmacist or a therapist about about uh, products generally, including uh, tuberic products.
0: Health Naturally for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's new Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre, taking your calls on 49216216. Alan's rung in from Tagra, And, Alan, your wife's just been diagnosed with something she'd rather not have.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, G'day, Dennis. Thank Hello, you Alan. Pleasure. Uh, yeah, my wife, fifty-four, um, had a couple of um, uh, lumps under her skin yes. on the uh, forehead, yes. under uh, under her eye on the cheekbone. Anyway, yes. long story short, now been uh, diagnosed with B-cell lymphoma. Yes, um, haven't been to the oncologist yet. She's had all the tests and everything and and whatnot, so we don't know what the the, the procedure is going to be. Um, what about the natural side of things? There's,
1: Alan this is obviously a medical condition of of, uh, serious dimensions what I would suggest is the the most important thing is to dialogue and meet your oncologist who will lay out to you the modern management for this condition this is not a condition that lends itself in my opinion to complementary or naturopathic medicine it is better managed within the mainstream by a good oncologist and I'm sure the direction you're taking is the right one Alan
2: Okay, yep. No, I just thought I'd ask a question. No, you're uh... welcome,
1: you're welcome. And I I wish uh, your wife all the best. And uh, uh, we've got very good oncologists in this region, so I'm sure she'll be very well looked after. All right,
0: thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. And thanks for your call, Alan. 49216216 to get your question through to Dennis Stewart for Health Naturally today. And, uh, well, we've talked a little bit about turmeric. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that. Uh,
1: I mentioned earlier in the program that there was some information uh, circulating in journals suggesting that turmeric was not just a useful agent for helping fight. Mild inflammatory conditions, but it's being put forward now, Jane, as uh, perhaps being useful in addressing this wretched uh, disease that's uh, afflicting our society—Alzheimer's—and it's come about as a result of the observation that in India, where turmeric is uh, eaten virtually on a daily basis as curry, of course, uh, statistics show that um, India experiences uh, four times, four point four times less Alzheimer's disease than what we do in Western society. Now it's always, uh, you have to be always cautious about these sorts of things because societies differ in the way they think, act and eat. But this is significant, uh, a much less uh, degree of Alzheimer's taking place in aged Indian society. And it's being put down to the way in which in that society, curcumin uh, in turmeric, curcumin in turmeric, taken over a long period of time, uh, leads to a reduction in uh, some of the plaque that is associated with this wretched disease. That's Um, plaque in the brain, isn't it? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Not on the teeth. No, not on the teeth. This is what's called amyloid plaque, uh, which, to be crude, infests brain tissue and leads to um, what we know as Alzheimer's disease is now being put down or hypothesized that the curcumin content of turmeric uh, may be associated with a reduction if not a clearance of amyloid plaque in brain tissue in people certainly in the earlier stages of Alzheimer's. Now I put it put it to the listeners and, and to, to our program that there's nothing certain in this, but this was called up in the Journal of Natural Medicine, which is a credible UK journal, with a number of references here to significant researchers who have a physiological explanation behind how they think a curcumin is useful and what it does in this plaque resolution. The point that the article did make, however, is that um, the clue is here to look at it more from a preventative perspective, take on board... Uh, what's been put forward, that there is a significant degree of uh, or less degree of of Alzheimer's in a traditional Asian Indian population who eat a lot of curry with a lot of turmeric. The point is put forward that we should learn from this perhaps and encourage people to see that a, a regular, sometimes daily, ingestion of turmeric over a longer period of time may be just as effective as taking high doses of curcumin at a stage when the Alzheimer's is well advanced so again it comes back to what we're trying to say on this program over and over again food is your best medicine Um, a product like turmeric taken over a longer period of time and a regular dosage may be just as effective as more expensive curcumin based tablets and capsules so my point is with the interest in in, um, turmeric today, and it's a phenomenal interest, phenomenal interest, try to see it as a food needing to be appended to our diet more regularly, particularly in wintertime. Get to love curries. Get to see turmeric as a food that can be brought in or a spice that can be brought into many dishes and use it on a regular basis for the purpose, perhaps, perhaps, of lessening the onset of this wretched disease by lessening the potential for plaque, amyloid plaque to build up in cerebral tissue. Interesting, interesting concept. The other thing with turmeric, of course, is that the two Canadian physiologists in their book, Foods That Fight Cancer, put forward a very good argument suggesting that a heaped teaspoonful of, uh, of turmeric daily uh, in conjunction with a small amount of synergistic uh, black pepper was a very significant agent in lessening the precursors for bowel cancer, so uh, the the interest in curcumin is is really founded on the emergence that the substance does have a lot of medical potential.
0: Four nine two one six two one six, and there's a line available for you, as there is for Robert from Edgeworth. Hello, Robert.
1: Hello, how are you? Hello, Robert. Dennis, how are you? I'm um, well, Dennis- indeed. This is just a, a thank you call.
2: Um, I rang you a couple of years back, okay. <laughs> and you've um, been wonderful to my daughter Nicola.
1: Oh yes, yes, yes. She
2: has um, osteoporosis. Yes. And uh, I just want to thank you for your support and help with her.
1: And she's doing okay.
2: Yeah, she's in remission at the well, moment. That's
1: good. I'm pleased. Yeah. I'm pleased. Well, um, I do recollect your your daughter. I suspect I've spoken to you before but um, even with that condition that your daughter experienced um, complementary medicine in my opinion is a useful agent even to append to some of the uh, the medical approaches that are used to address ulcerative colitis Uh, I've never found too much conflict between using what are called astringent anti-inflammatory and soothing herbs like slippery elm and bilberry I've never found any clash in using those substances with patients that are on the stronger medications that uh, gastroenterologists necessarily prescribe. Put the two together, and in my opinion, very frequently, you can get a better outcome. I'm pleased that your daughter's doing well, Robert. Yeah, I'm just thankful for your help. Thank you.
0: Health Naturally for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's New Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre, taking your calls, 49216216. And uh, having just talked about the cool breeze and the cool Mm. conditions, Dennis, um, flu vaccines, of course, lots of people have had the flu jab and the season's about to begin. Do you have any other recommendations to help cope with the seasonal
1: ills? Well, I'll make one recommendation. I should make it because there's been some controversy surrounding uh, the recommendation in the media in recent times the herb Echinacea has been uh, I think referred to as almost a placebo. Um, I would take that with a great deal of offence because um, uh, Echinacea is the most popularly used um, herb in the western world and uh, Professor Elliott from this university and myself had a lot to do uh, in propagating and promoting its medicinal benefits. Echinacea is one of the most useful devices, in my opinion, based on my research, my lecturing and my prescribing of it over many, many years, one of the most useful devices to use during a wintertime situation, particularly if the wintertime experience in the person has seen that person go down with regular episodes of colds and sometimes even a flu. So regardless of what has been said out there, I stand by my long recommendation that particularly in this sort of weather, the regular daily prophylactic use of the Herb Echinacea is a useful device to reinforce one's own immunity and to lessen the complications associated with a viral infection. So that's the first thing I would recommend, this is the time to think about echinacea. To finish on on that point Jane, when I was practicing in Church Street I remember it well, this was just before the earthquake, I'd just come back From Sydney um, and to to practice in Newcastle, and a a gentleman came down the stairs into my consulting rooms, and I can still remember him well because he had his little girl sitting on his shoulders, which was which was unusual um, in in a a situation like that. It is a little unusual. And he was he was loading up on large numbers of echinacea packets of capsules, and I said, "What are you going to do with all of those?" He said, "Well, it's like this." He said, "I'm a miner." He said, uh, "I work underground," and he said, "For every year, he said, at winter time, he said, I'd go down with bronchitis, I'd go down with a cold. He said, I'd be off work for weeks." He said, "A number of years ago, I heard you talk about echinacea, and I thought i will give it a go." He said, "Well, I don't know whether it's placebo or not." He said, "But I've not, I've not had a viral infection. I've never had to take work, or take time off work." He said, "So I'm not, I'm not game." Just. To go through a winter without using echinacea, so when I can I can speak from experience, Jane, and say that uh, echinacea lives up to its reputation. Echinacea is yeah, good. That for... is indeed. It yeah, is indeed.
0: Fantastic. Well, four nine two one six two one six, and uh, we'll go to the phones now. Susan's rung in from Maryland, and uh, yeah, turmeric's on your mind too, Susan. Yes,
3: yeah, so I grow it in pots. Good on you. And I was just wondering. You see, with the turmeric powder, Mm -hmm. um, it gives me bad stomach gripes and then I run. But I can eat the turmeric root.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Well, the thing that I would say there is that probably it comes down to the fact that the turmeric root contains a lot of moisture or liquid and as such is much, much, much less concentrated than what the powdered turmeric would be powdered turmeric is the, is the herb or the root that's been dehydrated or dried and then obviously pulverised or powdered. And so when you take, say, a teaspoonful of, of turmeric powder, you're really taking a very, very significant amount, equivalent mm. of, the, of the crude, unprocessed herb straight out of the ground. So I suggest that the explanation is by your tolerance for the root or the crude form of the herb is probably based on the fact that you're getting a less concentrated dosage than what you would get in the powder.
3: Okay. All right,
1: then. But you keep using it that way. What I mean, it's a very, very popular uh, worldwide uh, way of using the herb, and I applaud you for using these things as a food in a form that suits you. And I'm, a, as you heard me talk to Jane a moment ago, I've propagated for many years the idea that food is your best medicine and the way you're taking it is as a food, and it doesn't matter how you use it, um, it has its virtues. So I applaud you for that and would encourage listeners generally to see that you don't have to be pumping yourself up with costly proprietary products, many of the things we talk about. Uh, can even be used in simple form. We spoke a moment ago about Echinacea and my experience in growing that herb in Peach Orchard Road Arimba with Professor Elliott from this university many years ago. Um, Cliff, um, who's passed on now, dear man that he was, Cliff uh, made a reputation uh, with uh, picking his Echinacea and um, drying it and selling it simply as a tea. Simply as a tea. And he had... People coming to his farm regularly, sometimes embarrassingly on on Sunday mornings when he liked to sleep in, to purchase uh, his Echinacea tea straight from his uh, acreage that was opposite his house in Peach Orchard Road. I have photographs of it, which was probably one of the best crops of Echinacea you would ever see in the world. So he he, uh, used it in a very simple form and people got benefits from it in a very simple form.
3: Well, that... I, I love love my herbs. I've got herbs everywhere.
1: Have you? Do you grow echinacea?
3: No, not. Oh, I
1: haven't got room. To oh, okay. Well, one, so or we'll two, get it. one or what two did plants.
3: What would you use um, Mother of
1: All Herbs for? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> not much. <laughs> Does it have a pretty flower? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm pretty good on echinacea and turmeric, but not much good on Mother of All Herbs. That's a, a bit too embracive, too too encyclopedic for me.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs>
1: All right. All right Thank you. No,
0: thanks very much for your um, comments and calls, and, and Susan. And uh, really, there's um, there's lots of things you can grow in your garden. Hanging gardens, a thought for somebody who doesn't have any rooms Well,
1: that's true. what well, I mean, you don't need a lot of ground to uh, to grow a couple of plants of echinacea. People probably don't know that echinacea comes under the name of purple coneflower. Okay. And it's readily available. Um, from our good nurseries around here, yes. this time of the year, unfortunately, it would be starting to die back. Um, but you can you can still purchase even a poor plant, which come spring will come forth in all its glory. Sounds good. Mm.
0: Uh, 49216216 is the number to ring for your question to get through to Dennis Stewart today. It's 20 to 1. And just a traffic report that's come through. The link road from Newcastle from Wall's End going out to the freeway has a lot of no-moving traffic, slow to no-moving traffic. We don't have a reason for that. It's coming up on TomTom Live traffic, but there's nothing as yet on the uh, on the RMS website, we do, however, see that there is on the M1 Pacific Motorway in the Morrissette area at Mandalong Road. There's um, chicken manure causing a bit of a hazard on the roadway, affecting southbound traffic. And a little further south, southbound traffic is again affected by a broken down truck that is Mooney Mooney approaching the Hawkesbury River Bridge. is the number for you to get your question through to Dennis Stewart, which is what Pat has rung from East Maitland. Uh, Sore throat and dry cough, that sounds like a a problem for the season, Pat. Yes,
1: love. Hello, Pat. Hello, Dennis. How are you? You sound a little bit croaky there, Pat. I am. (laughs) Well, I've got the remedy for you. I've got the remedy for you. Righto. And I'll address your dry cough as well. Um, it's interesting that um, it's almost synchronicity. I was uh, looking at the the herb sage before I came to the studio this morning for a number of reasons. I was looking at it in the literature, and I've it, it confirmed what I've said for years and have recommended for years that simple sage tea, red sage tea, oh, yeah, used yeah. used as a, as a gargle, is one of the most useful devices for dealing with uncomplicated sore throat conditions. And, and the good thing about it is, you can get it even from your supermarket in a little packet of, of, of the dried herb, uh, yeah. and you just take a teaspoonful of powdered um, sage, put it in a coffee cup, pour on boiling water, perhaps flavour it with some good Australian natural honey, and gargle your throat with that two to three times across the day and it will do wonders for things like laryngitis, pharyngitis, uh, all those inflammatory sore throat conditions that uh, create croakiness. Try that, and you'll be surprised, and it virtually costs you nothing, and it's no. very, very safe. Now, the other thing is, with the dry cough, I'm a great fan, and you've probably heard me mention this before, of the old-fashioned Bonington's Irish Moss. Oh, yeah, I love it. Right, well, get hold of it. It's it, it, The good thing about it is... It has a big relationship to dry coughs, a big relationship to that. So I think if you were to use uh, a gargle of sage and to use Bonington's Irish Moss regularly, you'd probably walk away from this little episode of, of the cold that you're experiencing.
0: Thank you, Dennis. This is Health Naturally for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's new Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre, taking your calls, 49216216. And another ill of the season, I suppose you'd say maybe, Mm. is sinus um, valve from Dora Creek. Um, You're suffering from that, are you? I am, yeah.
1: Hello, <laughs> it's Val. Today, with all these <laughs>
0: winds.
1: And... <laughs> so, you're experiencing a sinus episode, are you, Val? I
0: am, I am.
1: A... I, I get it
3: quite frequently, actually.
1: Okay, okay. Well, I'll make a few little recommendations that might help you. Um, the first thing is start to think more seriously, perhaps, about using what are called inhalations.
3: Mm-hmm, now, I do that.
1: Go ahead, get hold of some Olber soil. I'm sure you can get that from your health food store at Morriset there. All right. There. What, what's it called? Albus, Olbas, O-L-B-A-S, Olbas Oil. All oh, right, Now, then. It's, it's comprised of a number of oils that are very aromatic, and uh, th- th- these things are not just placebos, as some of our critics would like us to believe. These oils contain very significant aromatic and potentially mild antibiotic agents that have an antiseptic effect on the whole of the sinus passages. So when you inhale uh, these things, say the old tea towel trick, boiling water with some albus oil dropped into it and inhale it, you're actually getting microscopic levels of uh, antiseptic substances coming from the aromatic oils. So a lot of people don't realise that it's not just uh, uh, the, the steam that does the job, it's the principle in the oil that has a mild, useful clarifying antiseptic effect, uh, so start on that. The second right. thing is, and I you may well be doing it, but uh, continual use of horseradish and garlic and vitamin C. Oh, now, right those, that, that, I spoke on this a couple of weeks ago, a lot of uh, people have got the wrong idea about horseradish and garlic. Horseradish and garlic as a preparation presents, to particularly to the upper respiratory tract, a useful mild, mild, natural antibiotic action as well as having a clarifying action, they do bring to bear on the inflamed and uh, infected surfaces some natural antibiotic effect. Uh, So get onto those things. They're harmless. Mm -hmm. They're inexpensive. They don't clash, and they've got a good uh, dose of uh, of vitamin C with it. Those two things are a useful way. The only other thing uh, that I would suggest, and I'm, I'm a great fan of what are called bioflavonoids, bioflavonoids usually accompany uh, vitamin C in many preparations, but they're still an underappreciated nutritional substance. Bioflavonoids are extracted Mm -hmm. from fruits, vegetables, herbs. They're a very common constituent, but in their concentrated form as a bioflavonoidal spectrum, they're profoundly useful in reducing a lot of inflammatory phenomena on the upper respiratory tract in particular. There would be very few patients or clients of mine that I would not have prescribed uh, by to with a chronic regular experience of sinus infection. If you do those three principles, you got to do something for yourself, Pat, to give yourself an edge.
3: I'll I'll try anything. See, I, I bet
1: you would. I bet you would. It affects my throat, I sort of get a bit of
3: um, laryngitis with it, no?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, if you do that you should be able to help yourself, but also take on board what I said earlier to Patramise Maitland, don't overlook the household benefit of sage tea for dealing with most throat infections.
0: Excellent. Thanks for your call. Still chance for you to get well, a couple more calls we've got time for for Health Naturally today. It's 10 to 1 on 2NURFM. And, and Myrna is the first one we'll go to from New Lambton. Now, you're into superfoods, I can tell that, can't you, Myrna? Uh, can't I, Myrna?
3: I, I reckon so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Myrna. <laughs> Anything for my husband. Thanks for taking my call. Well, he's a,
1: he's a, kale, he's a kale fan, is he? No, it's okay. something
3: that I learned from my uh, daughter-in-law, actually. Okay. And grandson. So what are the benefits of kale? In well, your food, and what quantities to be of the benefit?
1: Well, well kale's a vegetable, as you know. Yeah. Uh, it, it belongs, I understand, to what's called the cruciferous family. And the cruciferous family, which incorporates um, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, those sorts of things, uh, are being put forward these days as having useful, potentially useful benefits immunologically. That's the best way of saying it, immunological benefits. In other words, helping people fight uh, particular diseases that uh, are difficult to treat and occur regularly. Uh, Superfoods have even been put forward as useful devices to use if you've been diagnosed with a dire diagnosis. So the best I could say is they belong to a spectrum of vegetables that are shown to have immunological effects. That means stimulating the body's resistance to various pathologies. It's interesting that the cruciferi family um, as as a whole uh, was put forward by two Canadian um, scientists, two gentlemen with PhDs, that do a lot of work in looking at, at cancer and the, the relationship of food to cancer. And the, the book called Foods That Fight Cancer has a little chart in it uh, of recommended foods to be taken on a daily basis and the amounts that they're to be taken in in order to build up some degree of dietary resistance even to cancer. And the superfoods of the cruciferi family Headed the list. Headed the list. So what I suggest you do, wander down to my rooms at 39 Alma Road and ask my staff to give you the uh, printed sheet from that text which will show you where kale fits into this group of so-called superfoods.
3: Okay, so you're more or less saying with the immune system would be broccoli... Fine, I know the broccoli. Broccoli. Yeah, you mentioned cauliflower. cauliflower.
1: Cauliflower belongs to the same family it's the cruciferous okay. family: cabbage, Brussels sprouts. A lot of people don't like these vegetables.
3: No, my husband doesn't. The doesn't brocoli, he? Oh, well,
1: okay, <laughs> oh, but you, you, you can learn to like them. I never ate Brussels sprouts until I was married. Didn't eat a lot of things until I was married. But
3: my husband, got... but he's 89, and you can't take know <laughs> Well, I tell, tell you what: he's, if
1: he's 89, him. he could probably teach us a few things.
3: <laughs> no, you're got to be joking. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't happen. Right. But anyway, yeah, but that that's useful. Thank you so much. Thank and, you
1: very uh, much, Myrna. I will call in to get that's that. Like, yeah, you get it. You're welcome to get it.
0: Thanks, Myrna, and uh, kale and other superfoods. Yeah, the Kale's a good one, though, these days. Look, it's not too
1: bad. It's not yeah. too bad. Uh, do you like curly kale or ordinary kale?
0: Oh, <laughs> I think it has to be curly, don't you? I'm sure it's better for you.
1: We'll give you curly hair, they tell me, but so they say been it able hasn't worked on that. me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Peter from East Maitland. Now, aged spots on the face? Uh, no,
2: Sunspots, actually. Sunspots.
0: Okay. Yeah, of course, I'm, I'm, not I'm
2: 57, age. Sorry, I'm 57 years of age, and I've had a lot of exposure to the sun when I was younger, and I've got have got a number of sun, of sun They're dark brown spots on my forehead and face. Mm. Well, I'm wondering if there's a way of
1: fading them somehow. No, Peter, I wouldn't even suggest you try. I think that with anything like that, you must get them looked at, see your GP, and if necessary, see see someone that is skilled in interpreting what they are and treating them. I'm very cautious of any spots on the face or the scalp. I had one mm-hmm. uh, squamous cell carcinoma removed by my good GP a number of years ago, and I'm very uh, aware um, because I'm out on the land a fair bit and in the sun and exposed, I'm very cautious about looking for spots, as we call them, because spots can imply more than just a spot. I'd suggest,
2: If I may say, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm under the care of, the, of a very good GP. Oh, great, He's seen great, these spots. Great. He's seen, he's seen great. these spots.
1: Good, good,
2: and, good. And, and he, he runs a skin cancer clinic great. in East Maitland. Great.
1: Well, you've satisfied I've, my I've, got, I've also
2: got keratosis, which he freezes yeah. off sometimes. Yes,
1: I've got a few of those as well.
2: So he, hmm. he, he's it's under management with the great. doctor. Great, great. And he's seen, I've shown him the spots on my forehead. Good, good. And I asked him. Well, I asked him if there's any way of fading them, and and he said there's some cream you can get, but um, I think he's reluctant to prescribe it for me.
1: I'd, I'd be guided by your GP, Peter. Yeah. So Sense. there's no way of really fading them, is there? Uh, in my opinion, no. Mm. Mm-hmm. Something okay. to live with.
0: Do you remember that they used to yeah. have beauty spots in the good old days, mainly women, but there's no reason why men shouldn't have <laughs> You might a be misinterpreting those, it, Peter. He? You
1: might have a massive beauty spot. Are you suddenly finding a, a whole cohort of attractive females gathering around you? They might be okay. interpreting those as saying something. Right. <laughs> no, I'm being facetious, Peter. Yeah. Okay. It's all right. Oh, thank you. Okay, thanks a lot, Dennis. Right
0: thanks for your call, Peter. And we're getting towards the end, but we yeah. might just round up a little bit on turmeric, Dennis. Venice, uh, on health, naturally today. Um, so we had Susan talking about growing her fresh turmeric. Yeah, yeah. Could you eat them a bit like carrots? Do you think? I mean, carrots are oh, a root. I think it'd be a little of...
1: bit more uh, uh, challenging than that. Uh, Turmeric's <laughs> a fairly pungent substance, so I think it'd be more like trying to eat, say, a raw garlic or a, a, a raw hot onion of that same sort of thing. But you'll, look, you can use any of those things uh, as as a food, but everyone's tolerance is different. Yes, that's For instance, important. I, I, I love, I love, uh, particularly this time of the year, very hot chilies. And yet, if I was to give the same hot chili to my wife, uh, she'd be agonising. So it's, it depends upon one's tolerance of these spices.
0: And of course, you've often talked about having chilies in winter as I'm well. I'm a great
1: believer in it. In fact, I was going to say something about that. We might do it next week, but if we Think of what's called Ayurvedic medicine, which is the oldest uh, still-practiced medicine in the world, the traditional system of medicine that comes out of, of India. Uh, hot herbs, particularly uh, chilli or cayenne, uh, play such an important role in what are treating cold diseases. We might talk about that next week. Sounds
0: good. That's Health Naturally with Dennis Stewart. Join us next Friday after the midday news on to NURFM.